Welcome to episode 106 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Today is the second part of a two-part series in which we've discussed shots uh, from a brief trip to India in September 2007. I was literally there for just three days and didn't expect to get much free time, but I was hoping to get some shots while there, so I took some sort of minimal kit comprising of uh, Canon EOS 5D and three lenses. Today we're going to continue to look at some of the shots from the trip and I'll explain my thinking behind the shots and how I work the situation. The sounds that we were played in again this week were the same as last week. Uh, it was basically a snippet of something that I recorded with my smartphone on the uh, very busy streets of Bangalore, the city that I visited. So, to briefly recap, I'd used a strategy that I explained in more detail last week, uh, but basically I wanted to get people used to me being in the Madibali market, which is where I was photographing some portraits. It's not really been, uh, you know, it's not going to be important for you to listen to both episodes in series, but um, if you'd prefer to listen in sequence, you might want to go back to episode 105 first for full details. Anyway, what I'd done was basically I walked through the market with my camera hanging around my neck on a strap and I just sort of said hello and smiled at people as I walked through. And this was really just to get them used to the idea that I was there, uh, you know, this foreign guy wandering around with a camera. And this would reduce the, I don't know, the shock if I was to actually speak to them later on. Despite the visit being, you know, to the market being literally just 20 or 30 minutes, this strategy really seemed to pay off. I found it not only easier to talk to people on the way back through the market, um, the same stretch that I'd just walked through, but I found that people were calling out to me, asking me my name and what I was doing there. And I'd, you know, basically it was all really sort of working out pretty well. I'd captured a couple of great portrait shots already at this point and was kind of on a roll by the time that I, uh, you know, I got to the point where we pick up the trail here. So let's take a look at shot number 1538, which is the last shot from the family of the fishmongers that we looked at uh, some of the photos of at the end of last week's episode. Here we see another kind of tough guy type shot, uh, but this, this time, you know, the son was really almost breaking into laughter as his dad, I think, was uh, acting up behind him. As we see in the bokeh in the background there, uh, he had his hands up sort of like a pantomime ghost type gesture thing and was really sort of having fun. This young man was very up for having his photograph taken and was kind of shooing the rest of the family away as I continued to position him in such a way that I could give, you know, at least, um, you know, a good chance of getting a nice portrait and getting rid of what, uh, what I could from the distracting background. I was concerned about the, the poles and the blue plastic sheets and things that were you know, pretty much all over the market. Um, and I, I managed to get rid of you know, most of them. There's one pole that we can see, like a brown patch above the, above the guy's head. Um, but then the dad came in and did this. And eventually, though, you know, looking through the results, I find that I, I prefer this over the other shots as the expression of the young man's face really sort of brings back the 
I don't know, the frivolity of the whole experience and, you know, working with this fun-loving family. I was shooting with my 85mm f1.2 lens at f1.8 and, uh, you know, I had a shutter speed of 500th of a second with ISO 400. I could, of course, have gone much slower, um, so, you know, changed the ISO down quite a lot. But as we saw last week, some of the shots were actually under cover of the market stalls and, you know, they were much slower shutter speeds. And because I was working in such a variable light, I just set the camera up to, to in aperture priority and ISO 400 so that I didn't have to mess around with, um, you know, the, the settings instead of concentrating on interacting with the subjects and actually getting the shots. A moment or two later, confident that I got a few good images and also not wanting to keep this family from their work much longer, I thanked each of them and again shook their hands and moved on. It was only later on looking at the resulting images that I realised that the hands I was shaking had moments before been holding those big, not quite sweet smelling fish. Having grown up sort of playing in, you know, muddy sort of streams and woods and even like playing war as you do when you're kids, playing war in, in like big coal hills near the canal where I, I lived in England. Um, I'm not particularly one of the most fastidious people in the world, so it didn't particularly bother me. And I was much more um, interested in it, it was much more important to me to show my gratitude for the photos and the human exchange than to worry about keeping my hands clean. Actually, you know, that reminds me of something else um, related to this. When I walked past this fish stall earlier, I'd noticed that there was a huge number of flies feasting, feasting on and probably laying eggs in the fish that laid out on the table. And Bangalore's not particularly close to the coast and the, you know, with the transport infrastructure also being far from adequate, I'm sure that it takes quite some time for this fish to even make it this far. Although, you know, of course, there's no re refrigeration in the market there as well. Um, you know, it was it was all sort of pretty smelly, and and I'm sure that the that the flies were really just having a field day, and it's a little off-putting when you think about this uh, by Western standards. But I've never really been one for judging other people by you know or other cultures by my own standards. I had mentioned this in fun though that night over dinner, in which uh, many one of many of the curries that came out was uh, fish curry. And an Indian friend told me, Martin, we have a perfect cleansing procedure for all of the meat and fish. And we looked at each other and sort of pretty much at the same time just said curry. So, you know, originally, uh, you know, the reason why people in India curried things was to keep it edible during long periods of storage. And similarly in England, you know, people like now, uh, you know, the taste wise, we, we still like sort of salty food. And that's pretty much because we used to store meat and things, you know, things that would go off basically in large barrels of salt to stop it from rotting. So it's the same thing, you know, the, the necessities of the past have sort of shaped our culinary cultures today. Anyway, as I mentioned last week, the whole shoot was not uh, just plain sailing. Although most people were very open and obliging and allowed me to take their photographs, I approached one man with a small child playing on top of a cart and asked if I could photograph the child. And although he looked as though he wanted to allow me to proceed, he refused almost immediately. And I was a little bit puzzled by the conflict between the expression and the actual reply, but of course I just said okay and started to walk away. And as I did walk away, I could see his wife and sort of hear her starting to talk to him and saying something 
um, that really seemed like she wanted him to say yes as well. And later, I heard from Shashi, who's the guy from the team that I'm currently putting together in my day job in Bangalore there. Um, you know, the team's in Bangalore, my, my day job's in Japan. Um, but as as we were walking um, out, and well, we got in the car and were driving back to the office so that I continued, uh, the day, could continue the day's work. He told me that in India, some people, um, especially middle-aged people and older, um, still believe that uh, photographing children is bad luck. And this isn't sort of one of those, um, you know, like the, um, we heard of like early Aborigines in Australia thinking that it was taking your soul and things. It's not, not quite like that. Basically, it's, uh, it's customary to display a photograph of a person that has died, um, you know, when sort of decorate it with garlands and flowers at the funeral. And some believe that every time you, you take a photograph of a child, you're making more images that can be used for that final sort of post-death ceremony and therefore shortening the life of the individual. So basically, they're protecting the, the longevity of their children. So Shashi says that this is um, almost definitely what the, what the man was thinking. And he, he could tell too that from his expression and the way he spoke that he, he wanted me to actually take the photo but he was probably thinking of this um, custom or belief uh, when he refused. And with all of this additional information that I'd never have gotten without Shashi's help, it, it really all sort of fits together and makes perfect sense. So I, I don't know if he'll ever listen to this. I'm definitely going to send him a link. But uh, if you do, thanks very much, Shashi, for not only sort of helping me out during my stay, but also for giving me these like invaluable cultural references as well. Let's take a look at image number 1539, which I shot a few moments later, a little further along in the market. This is the first of two shots of the same father and son that I uploaded. I was still using an aperture of f1.8 with ISO 400, and this gave me a shutter speed of 1 640th of a second at this time. I had kept the aperture wide to throw the background out as far a focus as far as possible. Uh, you can see that there are lots of sort of patches of blue and other colours there, and I wanted to reduce their shapes as much as possible. I'd seen this little boy sort of playing on top of a cart and asked the, the dad if I could photograph him as well, and I was surprised, you know, how little I'd worried about the rejection from the last person that I approached. Uh, but I, I think this was partially because I was on a bit of a high because of the success that I was having. Um, surrounding that single sort of isolated rejection. And I also think it was because of the kind way in which the last person had re refused. As I said, I could tell that he wasn't really wanting to refuse. Um, and he was in no way sort of, you know, nasty about it. This guy was very accommodating, though, and basically just sort of picked the boy up and posed him for me. And I would probably have preferred just the boy playing on the cart but I didn't want to sort of contrive things too much. And, you know, the, the man was obviously, uh, he wanted to be involved. And it's, you know, it's his boy after all. Uh, so still, it's quite a nice shot. The, you know, the boy's big, cute eyes in sharp focus, at least the, the right eye there, uh, which is the closest one to the camera. And I had to rotate around the subjects a little to get the boy and his dad parallel. Uh, you know, as, as basically I wanted them... Um, as as close to parallel to the film film plane as possible, um, so that uh, I could avoid the dad being too blurred. 
I was always gonna fo- gonna focus on those big, um, cute eyes of the of the little boy. So it was really just a case of getting the dad as close to that focus point as possible. And uh, you know, it, he's a little bit soft, um, but it's def- he's definitely sharp enough. Uh, you know, the guy there is definitely sharp enough uh, to be able to make out his features, and uh, you know, just a tiny little bit soft. And as I say, you now the 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 eye of the the boy that's nearest to the uh, you know nearest to me is really just totally uh, perfectly focused. On turning around uh, from shooting this, I saw a man sitting in his stall weighing something out. I think it was potatoes or something. And I've uploaded an image of him, uh, but I'm not going to talk about it today. The next shot that I do want to look at is number 1541, in which we can see a great looking man with a wonderful sort of red apple backdrop. The guy in the photo that I just mentioned, uh, who was weighing stuff, actually pointed down to this man uh, that was sitting in front of the next door and shouted something out to him that I didn't understand. But as the man sort of sat up straight and, and sort of you know corrected his posture in preparation for a photograph, I assumed that he was game and confirmed that it was okay. I first sort of crouched down to his right and I kind of instinctly sort of did that as that was the direction I was coming from but then I realized that this bank of sort of stacked up red apples was there and was going to make a nice backdrop so I moved around to his left and that's the angle that I shot uh, three frames from and this is the you know this first one is one where he was looking straight at me and the second two that I haven't uploaded he was looking straight ahead kind of uh, in a an unaware of me type pose and I chose to upload the first as it maintained that brief human connection that I was enjoying. And I used the same settings here as the last few images. Uh, and, uh, you know, so there's there's that nice wide aperture there, throwing the apples out of focus quite a lot. Uh, but we can still make them out for what they are. Um, but also it just helps us to keep the focus, you know, pun intended, uh, clearly on the gentleman who was the main subject. Again, I showed him his portrait on the LCD of the camera and got one of those sort of Indian uh, head shakes where they like swing their heads sort of sideways. Um, I don't know, it's, it's difficult to describe, but basically sort of rotate it on the top of the neck from side to side, um, like a pendulum sort of thing. And really, it, you know, the, the, the face is sort of facing forward all the time, if you can figure out what I'm meaning. Um, but really, this gesture is... Um, kind of it's both affirmation and gratitude and once again I sort of I reached out and shook his hand and said thank you and moved on literally again just a moment later I asked a lady at the next stall who was also sort of laughing as I'd moved closer and you know she could see there um, you know she watched me come in along shooting portraits of the others and I asked her if I could shoot her portrait she then sort of gestured to me with her hand for me to wait and went inside um, the blue plastic sheet that was pulled down over the front of her stall and came back with two incredibly small and incredibly cute children. They're who we can see in shot number 1543. I'd shot about eight frames of these wonderful kids and chose to upload this one. Uh, the young girl had, the, you know, just the sweetest eyes, as, her, as does her oldest, her older brother. Um, but in this shot, she sort of looked away from the camera briefly, with kind of a cheeky grin, as her sort of a bro- her brother sort of 
he's there pushing something into his mouth also with a bit of a cheeky grin showing through there and still you know there's a i'm using a very shallow depth of field again uh from the 1.8 aperture and i had to sort of move around a little bit and to keep the two subjects parallel to the film plane and here the girl sort of swung around to face um you know more towards her brother uh, and I ended up sort of only with her right eye uh, in focus, and that's the furthest one away from the camera. Um, the left eye and the left side of her face that's closest to the camera is kind of soft, but again, I like this too. When viewed large, it's nice to sort of work your way into the shot and sort of, you know, you then find the focused eye, and it just sort of, it, it kind of works for me, although it wasn't 100% planned. Um after about eight shots, as I said, I was sort of thinking that I would also like to switch to portrait mode for these two kids. Um, but as I sort of hunched myself around and started to move the camera, uh, the young girl got a little bit upset. She was, you know, she's this big foreigner sort of snapping away in front of her with a machine that she's probably not all that familiar with. And she was sort of half starting to cry. And of course, I didn't want to upset anyone. So I just said sorry and sort of stuck my hand out. And... Um, the the brother then sort of reached out with his tiny little hand and shook my hand and this sort of calmed the sister who who you know went back to normal a bit of a smile on her face and then uh, she also put out her even tinier hand uh, which i shook while saying thank you to the both of them and just decided to move on so that is the end of my brief shoot in the madibali market um we're going to move on to a few more images in a moment um but I wanted to, um, you know, just break, basically talk a little bit, you know, my strategy um, had worked in the market. Um, I'm, as you know, I'm, I, I don't consider myself much of a portrait uh, photographer, although I, uh, <laughs> someone mentioned this in the, in the, the um, comment system on, in my gallery as well. But, um, you know, I, I think I'm sort of graduating from the really bad portrait photographer um, and also I'm getting to the point now where I am overcoming most of my inhibitions and fears and I'm managing to to approach people more. Um, I I basically, you know, this, this strategy that I'd, that I'd sort of thought of uh, really did seem to pay off. And, you know, by the time I walked back through the market having, with everyone having seen me, I, it really just kind of all snowballed out and the laughter from, um, you know, previous stalls uh, sort of, you know, was kind of contagious and it sort of it, it spread out through the future stores and it really all just turned out to be a really magical time for me and I won't forget it in a hurry there are uh, a few other shots online and if you want to take a look I'll, I'll put a link to uh, list all of them uh, into the show notes one thing that I have made my mind up is you know when I do go back is what I'll do is I'll take a whole bunch of five by seven prints of these images and I'm I'm hoping that I can find at least some of the subjects again and you know I just really want to sort of search them out and and give them an image give them a, a photograph of themselves and you know I don't know how regular the same people do turn up but I would just love to be able to to hand them over and show my gratitude and of course it's not just the photographs that um would be a, a token of gratitude. Hopefully the fact that I'll sort of go to the trouble, although very minor trouble, uh, to 
create photos and and search these subjects out again will sort of get will come across and i hope to i hope really this will reinforce the notion that i i have respect for the people that allowed me to photograph them and value the exchange that we had however brief before we finish i wanted to look at um two of uh, the six or so shots that i have uploaded from uh, that I shot from the plane on the, my way out and the way back from India. The two that we'll look at now were from the last few minutes uh, of the return journey as we approached the Narita airport in the Chiba pre prefecture. Um, we, that's really, it's, you know, the Chiba prefecture is the little bit that sort of hangs down across the bay from Tokyo. Um, what, what what happened was I you know I, as we started to come in I'd seen Mount Fuji there in the background um, and I I sort of started to get ready got my camera out and uh, the first of the the two shots that I want to look at is actually south of Tokyo as we came under Japan um, and that is image number one five four eight here we can see Mount Fuji poking out of the clouds in the top right with what's probably the mountain range in the Yamanashi prefecture behind it. The dark areas that we can see sort of poking out from under the clouds there uh, to the centre left, just, just barely, is probably the Izu area. And the, in the foreground we can see um, a part of the island of Oshima with its airport landing strip about sort of, that, the, the island is sort of halfway into the frame in the bottom left. I shot a few images with the whole of the Oshima Island, which I thought were pretty cool, but um, this one just seemed to come together a little bit better uh, compositionally. And I, I guess that um, you know, I, the, I feel that the clouds around Mount Fuji, and possibly you know, also um, you know, the leaving part of the island out, leaving something to the imagination, was probably going to work better. Actually, it, it's a bit strange. This is one of those things that um, I always feel strange about Japanese, um, you know, the language. I, I just said, you know, the island of Oshima, but Oshima basically just translates as big island. Shima is island. And so, and, and always big, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it, it would seem even stranger, me totally translating it to something like the O island. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, you have to sort of, for nouns like this, um, you have to keep it as it is in Japanese. Uh, but then to sort of qualify it, you end up saying um, the island part again. And you see this a lot, just really sort of totally off the rails here, but you see this a lot, like um, streets will have things like, uh, you know, in, near where I live, we have Meguro Dori, and on the streets it says Meguro Dori Street or Meguro Dori Avenue. Uh, but it's actually... Uh, you know, the, it's the it, it, Dordi means avenue or street, so it's really just sort of doubling it up. And you know, they do it with rivers and things as well. But anyway, without getting too sidetracked, basically, Oshima means big island, but it's a it's a a relatively large island, big enough to have an airport um, and a few towns and what have you. And that's that's basically um, a, a few hours by ferry south of Tokyo. As for the settings for this shot, I was in manual mode for control now. I wanted to control the lighting as it was, um, you know, it was a relatively bright sort of, the whole scene was relatively bright. I was using my 70 to 200 
mm f2.8 lens at 115mm and the aperture was set to f9 to give me a nice clear shot uh, sharp from you know throughout the image and that was that was easily done at f9 from this distance and i had a shutter speed of 1 200th uh, 1 of a second with iso 100 had i used aperture priority here i'd probably have had to use around plus 1 stop of exposure compensation to stop the the meter from making this scene too dark it was very bright uh, and i just wanted to represent the scene the way it was i did have to play around with the contrast a little though to bring mount fuji back out as it was a little bit sort of washed out um through the haze there i actually uploaded another shot uh, with a, a small island called toshima and that was in its uh, in its entirety that was sort of really pretty cool you can see the um you know the land uh, the landmass that was sort of connecting the islands but they were although sub submerged in the sea you could see that as a shadow so it'd be good if, you, if you're interested in taking that one out as well uh, or any of the others from the from the trip uh, then as i say i will put a link into the show notes uh, but they're all sort of there if you go by quickly they'll be in the, the latest upload section of the martinbaileyphotography.com for a while i'm sure um the last shot that i wanted to look at uh, today is number 1549 this was literally just minutes before we touched down. The request to turn off all electronic devices had just been announced and the landing gear was sort of bumping and banging its way out and I'd actually put my camera into my bag at my feet. Um, you know, it, it is electronic equipment at least these days. So the thing was though, at this point I saw the river in the shot coming towards us and I just couldn't resist getting my camera back out um just in case this this sort of came together and indeed you know the, it did the sun um was point turned out to be just at the right place uh, in the sky there and this lit the river up in like a beautiful golden color and this lined up perfectly with mount fuji there in the background and the clouds and the sun's rays sort of hitting the misty area below the clouds or, or in the foreground there really just all work for me. The thing that I'm a little bit disappointed with was that you know the, the banking of the plane as we swung around to the left was making for a bit of a bumpy ride at this point and I was finding it difficult to keep my horizon straight um, you know I was rocking around on the chair and I had framed this pretty tightly um, at 100 millimeters with both edges of the river in the frame but I had to rotate the image slightly to get the horizon straight and that meant cropping slightly of course and I lost the right side of the river slightly. It's really not a huge issue but a little annoying as I would, I'd actually you know really got it all into the frame. As I was shooting this though, a member of the cabin crew came by and asked me to put my chair up straight as I'd been so excited shooting that uh, my seat was still slightly reclined. So I moved the camera away from my eye just for a few seconds to straighten the chair up and by the time I looked back, uh, the moment was gone. Uh, but luckily I, I'd salvaged what uh, is still a, a pretty good shot from, uh, in my humble opinion anyway, uh, from the whole thing by doing a little bit of rotation in post-processing. 
I also played with the contrast on this shot to, to some degree to reduce uh, the slightly sort of washed out feeling of the image and bring Mount Fuji out there in the background as well. Um, nowhere near as much as, as messing around with it as I had to do with the previous image though. And I guess I wanted to just add on this that I've um, I've kind of proved here, although I don't need to prove it to, to some of you, but I've kind of, you know, shown you here that it you can get some relatively good shots from inside of a plane even a normal sort of you know a normal passenger plane uh, when the conditions are right or close to it when i showed these um these photographs to a friend here in tokyo they said that whenever they take photographs from a plane they end up with like the reflection of the window in in the shot and to some degree, I was lucky here in that the angle of the sun was so acute that uh, the light from the window uh, was sort of coming in, but at a good angle and hitting the arm of my chair and, and on that, like my leg and part of me, uh, but not hitting the camera itself. Even if my camera had been sort of directly catching into the you know the sun, though, um, I the same rule that I've mentioned before for shooting through glass applies. If you make sure that you have the camera hood you know, on the front of the lens and right up against the glass, you'll greatly reduce the possibility of anything reflecting back into the, into the camera um, or you know, re reflecting in the window and then back into the camera. Without anything actually reflecting you know, on the window itself, you should be able to shoot away at your heart's content without any issues. One thing that might work against you in this situation is, you know, if the within in planes especially, the windows tend to have like a second plastic window inside, and there's quite a large gap between that and the external, the real sort of window on the external side. This is um, a problem in that you'll be more likely to get reflection in the real window because you can't actually get right up to it. If that happens, I guess you could try you know, moving back a little bit so that the, not, the light no longer hits you. Uh, but you know, that will greatly reduce your field of view through the window, so you might just be out of luck. But it's definitely worth giving it a try. Um, you know, and you may be in luck, and, and I, I feel that I, I was in luck on this day and came away with a few nice uh, shots to round off my brief trip to India. So I hope you enjoyed this two-part series. I enjoyed putting it together, and as I make these travelogue type um, podcasts, I realise that I'm also making a kind of audio diary of my own photographic adventures, which is definitely very special for me too. A quick apology for the website problems again this weekend, uh, this past weekend. I received an email on Thursday afternoon um, asking me to move our sites again, and I had until like Friday, Friday night to do it. And I'd only just done this a month before, and to be honest, I was I was really sort of not happy about this at all. Um, I was thinking that we could probably just take some outage and, and then stay on the same servers. But it turns out that there were certain conditions that they really wanted me to move them, which was really annoying because I'd only moved it, I've just moved the main site, the martinbaileyphotography.com and the mbpgalleries.com sites over to the same provider that we have, um, the, well, it's called bokehaji.com, 
uh, which is the the, fi- the audio file server basically for the podcast files. Um, I'd moved them all, moved the se- the second server to the same provider, um, you know, less than a month ago, and so I really didn't want to be doing all of this. Um, it kept me up until 3 a.m. on Friday night uh, and really ruined a large part of my weekend, which was totally unplanned, of course. And no, needless to say, I was a little bit peeved. And especially as the problems sort of they tended to you know persist until Monday morning so sorry about all of that hopefully it's all over now and hopefully it won't happen again uh, for some time and I'm, I'm seriously touching wood here so the documentary and photojournalism assignment is now closed for entries and voting is turned on until the end of Sunday October the 14th and that's just about anywhere in the world I actually will um, on the Monday evening, my Monday evening, I will uh, turn it, you know, turn off the voting, lock the um, the assignment gallery for a little while, and I'll prepare the podcast in which I'll announce the winners, and to also let you know what the theme for the following assignment is going to be. So stay tuned for that. Please do go over to www.mbpgalleries.com to vote for your favourites as well. Remember we have three votes now, first, second and third place that we can all assign. So, you know, get involved with that. Uh, Even if you didn't uh, upload a picture yourself, it would be great if you go over there and sort of take a look. There's some really great images in the assignment gallery as usual and you can find that uh, just over halfway down the top page at the mvpgalleries.com website. And that's it for today. Once again, the music that we were played in with is a track called Creation. Uh, by a band called Shams and with that all that remains to be said is thanks for listening and you have a great week whatever you're doing bye bye photocastnetwork.com your photography resource in the potosphere photocastnetwork.com dot com